because of those ladies who served me at the door, so I really appreciate them. Um, you're so welcome, and so is your family, so are your kids. Uh, we facilitate kids on a Sunday here at Living Hope. We do more than that, actually. We really want them here on a Sunday at Living Hope, so much so that we actually give them their own program the entire time that you're in church. So when you come through the doors, if you have a child who is primary school age, then we run a kids space. So as, as you come in the front door, on your right-hand side, kids space is there, and you can offload your kids into there. They'll have their own program the entire time, and they'll have an absolute blast. So we encourage you to make use of that and if you have kids that are a little bit younger um, that you don't think would go in there but you're worried about them being disruptive during the service or anything like that we have um a parent and baby room there as well where you can see and hear everything that goes on during the service so we encourage you just out those doors and on your left hand side make use of that if you need to there's a few things that i want to highlight that are coming up um uh this week uh, but for any information that you need on what is going on in church, um, you can pick up an at-a-glance, which tells you about the month ahead from the info desk there, or just check out our website or social media, and that'll keep you updated on what's going on. But yes, just a few things to highlight. This Tuesday night, we're um, doing the pastor's Bible study, so Pastor Matt is going to be bringing us through the subject of forgiveness. Nice, easy one for him to tackle on Tuesday night. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 8 
18 and we really encourage you to come along and hear a bit more about God's word and to study with us. On Wednesday night we are beginning again the night of prayer. So we're going to run this for a few um, Wednesday nights in October but it begins this Wednesday night and the way it works is the the door there where kids space normally is that room will be open from 6 p.m to 9 p.m um there'll be some worship music playing but there'll be prayer happening the whole time you can come for um as long as you want or as little as you want if you only have five minutes spur or if you have an hour spur then we encourage you come along to that on wednesday night and come and pray with us as a church we would love to see you there but yeah drop in at any stage between six and 9 p.m. On Thursday, the academy begins again. So for all those um, that that involves, you want to study God's word or get to know God's word just a little bit better, then the academy begins at 7 p.m. on Thursday night in church. Um, and you can, if you haven't yet, you can sign up to that just out in the foyer there at the info desk or see Jackie and Valerie. If you don't know who they are, they're on the website. So go there and look and see who they are. And then finally, uh, what tonight? What we're doing tonight is we're doing something a little bit different. Most of you will know that for the past year, um, we, well say we, a few special people have ran the Baby Bank at Living Hope. It's been a tremendous success, but I'm not going to tell you about that. The lady who is, I would like you all to welcome to the platform, Lindsay Pollock. <laughs> Just as you were coming in there tonight, there was a couple of wee baskets at the door. Don't think many of you realised. With um, wee thank you bags, there's some sweets in it. So just on your way out tonight, just feel free. It was just a wee token of um, Baby Bank's appreciation. Because without you all, your donations, your kind um, generosity through the whole year, Baby Bank wouldn't be as successful as what it's been. So this is where the glasses on. <laughs> Thanks everybody for being here tonight. Um, about a month ago I went to Pastor Matt and asked if I could just give the church an update on how the baby bank was doing. And of course he said yes, but then said he's going to talk. <laughs> so that's why I'm up here shaking my leaf. So um, I'll just give you all a quick background on um, the baby bank in case there's any visitors in tonight or anybody that hasn't been here in the past year. Um, so baby bank is basically like a food bank, but focuses on babies, not the, not the two, um, all the essentials from equipment, nappies, wipes, toiletries, all those basics that you need in the first few years. So last year, 12th of October, was whenever we launched Baby Bank and it just grew from strength to strength. And again, I want to emphasise thank you because without you all, it wouldn't have been possible to do what we're doing. Um, so why me? as probably some of you are asking. Well, my background um, for about eight years or more was in the Royal Maternity. And I suppose that equipped me with the knowledge and, well, the contacts as well, I suppose, for to help Baby Bank go from strength to strength. And in fact, um, I don't know where Kim's here tonight, wee Beth, but that's where, yeah, there you are. I was able to give Beth her first wee baby bath, isn't that right, all them years ago? Um, so little do we know, sitting here tonight, both serving in the same church 
So I just want to emphasise again the word thanks. So when we give thanks, it aligns us with God. Goodness opens us to receive more from him, frees us from anxiety and worry. It carries us through any struggle and hardship in life. It even carries us through persecution and the valley of the shadow of death. Now, that leads me on to say some thank yous because I don't stand here tonight and claim to do baby bank on my own, far from it. With plenty of eager beavers in the background, um, whenever those bags of clothes come in at night sorting out and folded, there's an army of people behind us. So, um, just quickly, I'd like to call up Patricia Francie, Noreen Hughes, Robin Kenny, and Leanne, just to come up and grab a wee quick present. say a big massive thank you to her because without her Wednesday's deliveries just wouldn't happen because she's my personal sat-nav <laughs> and my sister's actually in the audience tonight and she can verify I haven't got a clue whenever it comes to directions even with the sat-nav phone and Pastor Matt can, or Pastor Reese can actually verify that yeah we were going to Antrim one day but we ended up near London there and <laughs> We got a phone call from Pastor Reese. Why is the church fan going to London, Darren? <laughs> so there's always Big Brother watching. And Terry, what can I say? You're go above and beyond for us at the baby bank, and this leads into mother and toddlers. The best thing about you is whenever we're going across the barricade, shall we say, you turn into Teresa, which is always, <laughs> which is always a, a, a positive outcome. So I'd just like to come up and accept the wee gift on behalf of us. Um, and then lastly, um, I mentioned that I worked in the maternity in the Royal and then my adventures took me to Kingsbridge um, for the past few years. And Kingsbridge has set up a foundation to help local charities. And I'm lucky enough to have my sister on the foundation, but um, there was a few ladies who happened to see Pastor Matt's call for nappies and wipes that I had shared on Facebook. And they approached me and work, and they asked how I could help. And whenever uh, Claire Niblock and Gemma Watson heard the great works that we were doing, they were very keen to put our name forward to the foundation. And this ended up in a charity football match a few uh, Sundays ago, and they raised a total of £1,500, which they have donated. Very kindly, dear baby. <laughs> and then finally, I just want to leave you with this first. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Baby Bank is where the seed gets planted in these families. We, can help, we help to give them hope, help them realise their struggles and that they're heard and that God loves them. And it is a privilege to be part of this great team and I want to thank the church once again for all your support and hopefully for a more uh, positive uh, year ahead. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Lindsay. Obviously, there's one more person we want to thank as a church. Uh, when we first looked at the idea of setting up a baby bank, we went to visit another one and thought, what a great idea this is. But who are we going to get to look after it and run it? And, uh, and then suddenly we discovered Lindsay's background, but not only that, just a heart uh, for doing this. And we knew we'd found the right person. And we're great believers in this church. Everybody has a ministry. And uh, anybody who has seen Lindsay do this will know that she has certainly discovered her ministry because it's where her heart is. And, uh, and we want to thank you on behalf of the church uh, as well for all you're doing. What she's not telling you in her humility is that uh, uh, 150 families have been helped in the last 12 months. That's three families a week. There's three families a week that have been helped and uh, as, as Lindsay had said, as across the barricades for want of a better phrase, but also uh, refugees who are living in hotels at the moment are in touch with us and stuff. And we're just able just to point them towards this because our church is about helping people. That's what we do and stuff. So we want to thank Lindsay as well. We so appreciate what you do and the team does. Uh, and this will grow and grow again and stuff. And thank you to everybody who's donated. Please make sure you take a packet of sweets on the way out because obviously any that are left will have to eat throughout this week. <laughs> and stuff and I don't need to eat any more sweets while I'm here but thank you but also a special thank you as well on behalf of the leadership to uh, the, the Kingsbridge Hospital as well because uh, I always look at this when people give money they can give it to anybody they, they can not you know people anybody who gives money away and stuff and uh, the, the fact that they've given it to us we, we so appreciate that as tremendous that we've been given that money for the baby bank and stuff so we say thank you to all of those people here tonight that are from Kingsbridge so appreciate uh, you doing that we're coming to the word now we are working our way through the gospel of Matthew and last Sunday morning we looked at the family tree of Jesus uh, who he came from, who were his uh, ancestors, uh, his descendants, and that. And the next verses in Matthew are the, the Christmas story. And as much as some people in here would like me to talk about Christmas at the start of October, it's against my religion because, uh, because Christmas is in December, Reese. I know. Me and Reese don't disagree on many things, but we disagree on Christmas. If it was up to Reese, the whole church would be decorated now. <laughs> so we're going to skip the Christmas story and do that closer to the time in December. But we are going to look tonight at Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. And we're simply entitled this, The, the Hope. And we would all agree that the world lacks hope. People try to fill their empty lives with stuff. Whether it's abuse, addiction, unhappiness, depression, despair broken late relationships the world is looking for answers it's looking for uh, solutions to their problems and that and it's simply there's one word it, it, it's looking for hope uh, sometimes I think it's always helpful to see before we get into what the word says what life is like on the other side of hope that is for those who maybe don't believe that God exists or maybe believe that well hope is pointless as Sean said this morning in the sermon on self-pity, well, you'll get let down anyway. You know, th you've, it'll fail anyway, it'll not work out. I know people that live like this, and 
Bertrand Russell is a very famous philosopher, but also he's an avowed atheist, doesn't believe in God. And he had this to say about humanity from the perspective of an atheist who simply just didn't have hope. He said, man's origin, man's growth, his hopes, his fears, his loves, his beliefs are but the outcome of an accidental collection of atoms just meeting together. No fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling. Simply life just ends at the grave. We have a life whether we have hope or not. It just simply ends at the grave. Man labours of all the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration. But it doesn't make any difference because at one point, at some point in our life, we're not going to be here, we said. So what are we hoping for? For those who choose to believe we are simply a collection of atoms, the stark reality of life is simply this. Well, once it's over, it's completely over. Well, I disagree, and you're going to find out why I disagree. But I'm going to give you four definitions of hope quickly. Because often at times we think that hope is wishful thinking. How many times have we said, I, I hope something happens. I hope that she makes this for dinner, or he makes this for dinner, to give it all equal. <laughs> I hope my football team wins this afternoon, says all the Liverpool supporters. <laughs> Sorry. It's not wishful thinking, but we live our lives like that, thinking that, you know, if it's just wishful, it's, uh, I hope this happens, and I hope this is done, and that. Uh, read this story, and... A man sentenced to death obtained a reprieve by assuring the king he would teach his majesty's horse to fly within the next year on the condition that if he didn't succeed, they could put him to death in a year's time. Somebody asked him, well, why did you say that? Well, within a year, the man explained later, the king may die, I may die, or the horse may die. Furthermore, in a year, who knows, maybe the horse will fly. You see, we look at it and we say, is that wishful thinking? And that's a way often people think of hope. The other definition that we come to is to trust in, to wait for, to look for, or desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future. We could tie that into worldly hope and probably biblical hope as well. But biblical hope is a little bit more than that. Because biblical hope, and, and, and we've heard this so many times, it's a confident expectation of what God has promised. That when God promises something, he fulfills it. And we can have hope in that. That in the waiting, there is hope. And so much of our life as believers is waiting. But in that waiting, there is a hope that God will come through for us. That God will answer our prayers. And the fourth definition which ties us in with where we are with Matthew is this, is biblical hope is fixed upon a person. His name is Jesus. And the reality is when we talk about Jesus, that he simply still changes people's lives today. He still gives people hope today. We have hope because of who Jesus is. And in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, as I've said, we've read of the family line of Jesus, his birth and his early years. And Matthew is the story's one theme. It's Jesus from beginning to the end. But it's this story of hope. And as we begin in chapter 3, the story jumps 25 years now because Matthew doesn't, he, 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 he says about his childhood when he's a baby, but then he jumps now. And this is a story of beginning uh, of Jesus' public appearance and ministry. 
And people have been waiting a long time. We think we've got to wait an hour for something. It's a long time. This is a story of people waiting and hoping. And in Matthew chapter 3, just three verses, it says this. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Give the context that this is written in. John the Baptist, who it talks about here, is Jesus' cousin. Uh, he was preaching out in the desert, 11 miles outside of Jerusalem. And people were so hungry for some good news to hear something uh, from somebody. People were walking the 11 miles to go out to listen to him in the middle of the desert. Now, that is foreign to us because sometimes, you know, churches, you know, to walk to church or, or, you know, to get to church or things like that. You know, we would be, you know, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't walk. I mean, I live in Carrick. I think it's about 11 miles. If both my cars broke down, that makes me sound really rich. But if my cars broke down, it says, would I walk to church? You know, I suppose I'd have to. I'm the pastor. But would I... <laughs> looking at it and saying why would we do that and I realise when I read this there's a hunger there the people have a hunger because they've been waiting the land is occupied by and has been for nearly 400 years by foreign invaders one after the other after the other and the people whose homeland it is are just waiting for some good news they're actually waiting for the messiah they're waiting for jesus and john the baptist who is jesus cousin he comes on to the scene with simply this blunt straightforward message we would say today and you may know somebody, whenever I say this word, you would say, I know that person. He's no filter. You know somebody is coming into your mind now, isn't they? You're thinking of somebody who says, I know exactly. You know. That's John the Baptist. He comes in and he's just a blunt, straightforward message that the people need to hear. He has one message. Uh, and it's simply this, and it's that word, repent. And immediately we sort of stand back and say, oh no, it's all the religious stuff telling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But I think our understanding sometimes of what's being said is not quite correct. Because what John is saying is announcing to the world, listen, it's time to get ready. It's time to prepare that the king is coming and he's bringing his kingdom and you see, repent simply is this, and it's what we all should, and we've lost it a little bit probably as believers, that simply, repent simply means a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change in action, which in turn leads to a change in purpose. It's just a change in direction with, with somebody's life. A lot of people have despair, and a lot of people just simply have nothing to look forward to because of the life that they are living now. A change in action, a change in direction suddenly gives them hope. Before I got saved at the age of 21, uh, you, you, I, I, I thought a lot about, well, what is the purpose of life? Well, why am I here? 
I mean, because if you think about it, well, we're here for 70, 80 years, if we're fortunate and stuff. And, and what's life about? Is it just for me to, to make money? Well, I can't leave it behind and I don't want to leave it to my kids. And, you know, is it to, to be famous? Is it to be significant? Is it, we ask ourselves the question, what is the, the point? And, and when we meet Jesus, when that happens to us, it causes our life to have a change in direction from a change in mind which leads to a change in action which is a change in purpose and this is all john the baptist is saying to the people he's saying get ready it's time to change he says you've been waiting he is announcing to all who would listen that jesus is coming as the messiah the savior and not only is he coming he's bringing his kingdom with him and his kingdom is simply represented by hope it's simply represented by people having hope. I hope in what? Well, we've said this many times before when we talk about the Old Testament that, that, Jesus, that God has made many, many promises. And he has fulfilled those promises in who Jesus is. Not coincidence, not accident, not an afterthought. It's actually all been planned. And just at this time, just at the right time, as Romans 5 says, Jesus comes. But he's bringing hope with him for the people who have no hope. He, he, the, those in despair, he's bringing that hope for them because his kingdom is coming with him. As I said, the people had experienced waiting long enough. God had been silent for 400 years. Uh, the Romans occupied the land and they needed to hear some good news. And John's preaching simply starts the proclamation of the good news because that's what the gospel is. It's good news he says we we read enough bad news don't we i mean newspapers have become a bit outdated now we read social media and stuff and people will comment and and we all love good news don't we people have a baby oh yes we love that people get married we love that we love to see and read of good news the gospel is good news it's not bad news it's good news because the good news about jesus christ coming and with him he brings his kingdom and his kingdom is a kingdom of hope and so John begins to prepare this and prepare the people. And Matthew the writer believes, as we've just shared, that the gospel is the good news of the kingdom. Because he says the kingdom of heaven is near. Why is the kingdom of heaven is near? Because the king is coming. And Jesus is on his way. The promise is coming. It's now about to be fulfilled. I mean, it's like this when it comes to a promise. If I say to all of you tonight... He says, listen, on the way out the door tonight, he said, instead of you putting money in the offering, I'm going to give you all £20 each on the way out. I'm, I'm handing you all £20. Uh, that's don't, you, none of you believe me at all, I bet. <laughs> I'm going to hand you all £20. Now, the fulfilment of that promise is when you put your hand out of the door and I put £20 in your hand and you go home with it. And what you'll say is, he keeps his promises. He says he has fulfilled the promise that he has made from the front that he's giving us all 20 pound. Now I'm giving you 20 pound to split between all of you. I didn't clear that up like it says. But the, if I give you all 20 pound, the promise is fulfilled when I hand the 20 pound over and put it in. Now if I don't do that, I says you're going to look at me and say you're a promise breaker. Instead of singing Waymaker, you'll be singing Promise Breaker. Because... I cannot keep that promise. It says, but God keeps his promises. 
And Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise that he made. Because all the way through the Old Testament, he said, my son is coming, my son is coming, my son is coming. John the Baptist is here and he's saying, the son is ready now, he is coming. And he's bringing his kingdom with him. And his kingdom is a kingdom of hope. And so that's the expectation that he's there. The kingdom of heaven is near because the king is coming. Or well, the kingdom was near because the king was here. See, Jesus preaches the same message later on in Matthew 4, verse 17. The kingdom of heaven has come near. There has to be something, doesn't there, to give people hope. There has to be an alternative. People looking at their lives and saying, well, what is my life all about? He says, there has to be an alternative to that. And at that point here, it's been given because it's a message of hope. You see, when we read kingdom of heaven, you know, we may think of this, this might be your picture harps and clouds and angels singing but Jesus is clear that the kingdom of heaven refers to God's rule and presence here on earth that actually it's not just about us getting a ticket to heaven that actually Jesus wants to change our life while we're here he wants to make a difference in our life while we're not holding on so one day we get into heaven that is part of it but as Jesus said I've come to give life to bring life life in all its abundance the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy when he speaks of the devil, the enemy. But Jesus comes to give life. What's life? Life is hope. That's what he comes to bring. So he says the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's come here to now. So John's message here was a message of preparation. A message of expectation. It's simply a call to get right. It's time to get right. It's time to stop doing what you're doing because one of the things that repent means is you walk in one way and you stop and you turn and you walk another way, the right way. And it just simply means that. And what John is saying, he says, hey, listen, you've lived your own way now. He says, you've lived doing your own thing. He says, what you need to do now is live God's way because God's way is full of hope. He's sending his son, Jesus, to prove that. He's bringing his kingdom that one day would be established. You see, the good news was coming in a person who spoke hope, is hope, and is the fulfillment of hope. And we are all the promised recipients of that hope. The hope that we have Simply as we heard this morning, sees us through any circumstance and situation that we may face. That, that God does not promise us an easy life. He does not promise us that everything would be smooth. But he does promise to give us hope in every circumstance and every situation that we face. And that's the good news, isn't it? The good news is not, ah, oh, well, we, you know, and, and if you're in church this morning, that, that, that message probably related to so many people that actually when bad things happen, we turn around and say, oh God, why me? Oh God, what if I, I don't deserve this, God? And actually what happens is the situations and the circumstances we face in life are nothing to do with the blessings or the punishments or the rewards or, or something that God has done against us. They're just life. And we find God in all of that. We find hope in all of that. Because there are people in the church tonight who we could bring up here who could testify of going through the worst of illnesses, the worst of situations, everything bad happening to them. Yet God is still in control. There is still a hope. Because of who God is and the promises that God has made. See, that was the, the presence of Jesus' arrival. 
was about introducing people to God and all that entails. That's why Jesus came, to introduce people to God, to, to restore that relationship, to say this is the person, the reason why we live. You see, in the message of the kingdom is spoken all the way through Matthew in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus instructs his disciples and us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus begins his parables, which are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, when he says that the kingdom of heaven is like, and then uses a description of something in everyday life to explain a heavenly point, so that people would understand. It was simple enough for them to understand. The religious people didn't always get it, because they were hard-hearted and their ears were closed, but the people got it. They understood this is what it's about. This is why Jesus has come. Because Jesus comes all the way. And all the way through, it speaks of the promise and the fulfillment. And a promise is only a promise when it's fulfilled. See, the promises made in the Old Testament are fulfilled here in the New. And here he's identified as a voice, as one, a voice calling out in the desert. We love announcements, don't we? said already when people make announcements this is one of the most important announcements Jesus is coming oh dear what do I mean what a tremendous announcement to make to the people they weren't always getting it but he was making that announcement you know ready for the people to understand that hey this is happening prepare the way for the Lord because he's coming you know, John wasn't just another religious nut. He wasn't another religious zealot drumming up support for a new following. He was simply saying this. He says, as the road needs cleared of the obstacles, he said, prepare the way. Get ready. Sort the stuff out that needs to be sorted out. Because the king is coming. The Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. He's saying, clear all of these. Sort your life out with God. For we don't know what may happen from this point onwards. And that's not a fear tactic for people. It's an honest representation of, of what the Bible speaks about. That none of us know what happens from this point on. None of us know what happens an hour after church tonight. None of us knows what happens tomorrow. And the question we ask is simply this. Are you ready? Have you prepared the way? Have you changed the direction of your life? Because it's all there for us to do. Because when we read it here, we simply say he's telling us what to do. Get ready for Jesus. That's it. Get ready for Jesus. Now, we say to ourselves, well, why would I want all that religious stuff? I'm not pointing you to religion. I'm pointing you to Jesus. And the difference is this. Jesus loves you. He, he, he went to the cross for you. He has forgiven you of all the things that you've done wrong. He says he's taken them away on the cross with him. So there is no debt for you to pay. And you'll say, why would I not take on board this? Why would I not take this on board? This is what the, the essence of hope is. You know, we, lots of us in here, before we were Christians, we tried to be good. We tried to be religious. Remember when my kids were young and they'd done something wrong and that you know you knew they were gonna get punished or that and, and then they say, But daddy, I'll try to be good. You know, they said that I'll try to be good. And I'm like, there's no trying in it. But anyway, that uh <laughs> But how do we say that with God, don't we? I'll try to be good. And God's saying, no matter whether you try to be good or not, 
It's not about how good you are. It's about weighing the balance, the scales of good or bad. It's nothing to do with that. It says it's coming to accept Jesus. It's coming to say the king is coming. He's bringing his kingdom. He's bringing hope. But he's also coming and bringing me life and forgiveness because his journey, though it begins here, it ends at the cross. And at ending at the cross, it's him taking everything that I've ever done wrong. As though I was the only person in the world who had ever committed a sin and took all of that on the cross with him. He says, that's the sort of love that he has for me. So personal. Not just as a group of people gathered in church, but individually. And that's the amazing thing about him. And Jesus comes and, and this is shared. He says, get ready. Get ready for the arrival of the king. John the Baptist ignites his hopes by preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near. That simply Jesus is coming. See, people need to know, and this is a message we must have. Jesus came to bring hope that he is our hope, that our hope is alive because hope is found nowhere else. You know, it's important to think it's not just one of the things you can find hope in. The sort of hope that we're looking for, which is the, the passage for full life here, uh, the journey to heaven, eternal life, the forgiveness of death, it can only be found in one person. His name is Jesus Christ. You see, Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verse 12 when he writes to them, he says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. So if you're without God, you're without hope. Your hope is a wishful thinking that, oh, I hope this happens, or oh, I hope I make it through, I hope the balance of the scales work out for me to do more good things and bad things, and oh, hey, maybe that'll work out. Uh, and it's not. It says we live without God, then we live without hope. Paul writes it here. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So we live in this dark world that desperately needs light. The people are ready. John the Baptist is there proclaiming his message of Jesus who is coming. And he comes and he brings light that offers hope to a world of despair. For the reason is God sent Jesus as the ultimate physical reminder of the depth of our need. And simply, how did he show us that he loved us? Well, he went to the cross. It's simple all the time, isn't it? It's a demonstration of action. It tells somebody that, that, that you love them. We've seen it tonight in action. Thank you for serving at the baby bank. Here is a gift for serving in the baby bank. Now there's an illustration there that just simply what God has done for us is he shows us, he loves us. Here is my son. He, he, you've done nothing to deserve him. He's innocent of everything. He says in him there is no sin. But he's going to the cross for you. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. It says, you don't deserve a second chance, but you didn't deserve the first chance either. And it says, you come and you realise that's the gift that he presents to each and every one of us. That's what John is talking about here. Well, the people have got to make that choice, don't they? And it says, repent and turn. It says, change your mind, change your action, change your direction, change your decisions. That, that's our responsibility. And he does that. And when you look at the cross... You can see the Son of God who loves you, 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 each and every one of us as individuals. That's hope, isn't it? We have hope because Jesus forgives us, transforms us into his likeness. Knowing Jesus brings us contentment regardless of our material possessions and our natural circumstances. We can still have hope. Even if things get so bad, 
Even if the sickness is so bad, the illness is so bad, as we come to the end of our life, we still have hope because of who God is, because it's planted in our hearts of what Christ has done and what he's come for. With this I finish that Jesus gives us hope, despite our past, that we are redeemed. We are bought back. The price has been paid. It has been handed over. Unlike me who's not giving any of you £20, God has paid the full price for you because he loves you. See it doesn't matter, you do right thing, oh, well, I don't feel loved and I don't feel like I'm worth much and that. I said, listen, that's what you think. That's not what God thinks. It's, and the second thing we see is this, Jesus gives us hope for the present that we are loved. That's why he came. See, John's message wasn't, listen, repent for you all sinners. John's message is this, repent, the king is coming. That's it. Repent for the king is coming. Why is the king coming? Because he loves you. Because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. That plan and purpose begins with the forgiveness that he presents to you. To simply say, listen, see all the things that you've done wrong. He says, see all those things that are backed up as a debt. He says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven because you're loved. And so that's the hope that we have. And the third thing is this, is Jesus gives us hope for the future that we have a purpose. That actually this is why he's come because he's looking and through Matthew from the beginning to the end it says we see the story of how Jesus calls different people, the fishermen, the tax collectors. What's he doing? He's giving them a hope for the future. He's telling them that they have a purpose. Their purpose is to go and tell other people about him. And you read that from the beginning of Matthew to the end of Matthew that it's the purpose that he's given. He says Jesus Christ is the hope of the world is the hope of our lives and if you don't know him he can be the hope of your life tonight and change your life in an instant because he loves you because he wants to forgive you because you are redeemed you are loved and he has a purpose for you let us pray as a worship team comes up father we thank you tonight Father, we're reminded as we read your word, the Father, that you sent your Son because you love the world so much. The gift that is presented to us is your Son, Jesus Christ. Because we are loved, because we can be forgiven and redeemed, and we just thank you for that tonight. But it comes down to this one word, God, and it's a word that we need in, in the world today. It's a word that people need to hear. It's having hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's having a hope that is built and founded upon your promises. So when we read your word, regardless of our natural circumstances or our material possessions, we can always have hope in you. And that hope is fixed on the promises that you made in your word. And we thank you for that tonight. Our hope is not just found in your word, it's found in your son, Jesus Christ. And in preparation for him coming, we read these verses tonight. And we realise the word is alive, for it can change lives tonight. We pray that over church this evening. In Jesus' wonderful, precious name. Amen.
home tonight as they go their separate ways and into their communities and workplaces tomorrow that you would bless each one of them and keep us all safe and bring us back safely next week. Amen.